The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip, episode 93. Going to recap the week in Fab as we usually do. This time, week 21 of Fab as we are inching closer to September and the end of the baseball season. It'll be a fun one. We have some listener questions for you guys as well. You guys kind of be on a slack a little this week. Just can throw it out there. You guys got to <laughs> I get it. It's football season for many, but uh, it'll be a fun one. You can find myself on Twitter at Bediantric and the Bat Flip portion of the podcast on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man? We're doing all right. You know, um, the the theme for this week's podcast, I think, is slip sliding away, you know, Paul Simon a little bit. Um, yeah, just been a rough start to the week, I think. Not a lot of not a lot of hitting happening. Well, it seems it's like this weird dynamic of like there's not a lot of hitting on offenses, it seems like. But there's a lot of pitchers that are getting lit up. And mm-hmm. it's kind of been this ta- the tale of the past month or so. Just there's not a lot of arms that you can trust out there. So it's gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, it is there, there isn't a lot of arms you can trust. Every time, once you think you're comfortable, then like you think Giolito's back, Giolito gets roughed up. You think like a certain ace is back, they go, but Noah got roughed up. And and, and, the, and they get roughed up. The worst part is they get roughed up in really good matchups. It's like yeah. you're facing a depleted Nationals team. You're thinking, okay, at worst, you give me a quality star with probably like seven strikeouts. Cool. I'll take it. No, he gets destroyed. I don't have any Manoa, but I, I sympathize because I would have plugged him in everywhere if I had him. Like, you would not have not played him in that scenario. And that's happening in a lot of places, like you're saying. It's been yeah. – uh, rather, when, you're, when your usual plug-in plays are letting you down, it makes things even more stressful and more energetic. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of the, the bigger pickups, I think, this past week were some potential starting pitcher – helpers for the season so we'll have some fun talking about those but uh yeah it's getting it's getting interesting we have a good listener question that kind of sums up some of those feels about uh, you know when you're doing everything and it still isn't working out type thing so that's a good question we'll get to on that one but 
let's uh, let's get cracking on this. We'll we'll talk about the waiver wire as usual. Get some listener questions, probably some banter and some some side conversations along the way as usual. But this past week, the most added player, and this is a guy I love, didn't add him anywhere because I didn't get him. But uh, Lewis Brinson added in 299 leagues as high as 149 is what went for, and um, he's been on fire the last couple of weeks. As you know, you can't get those stats once you grab him, unfortunately. So that was something that kind of held me back. And when you kind of look at the the grand scheme of things, yes, he's a former prospect that was really good. And yes, um, he's playing great ball pretty much in the month of August. There's nothing that can can argue that one. But when you go under the hood more, it's like a 405 Babbitt. Is that sustainable? Like there's so many like little things that make you know the regression's coming. I still think he's going to be very good the rest of the way. But you got to be realistic, like 270-ish probably average is what you are got to be looking for with some pop. And he's not stealing bases either. So that was my only concern. I still put bids in. Don't get me wrong. But uh, that's where I was. Where did you stand on Lewis Brinson? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think, you know, with a lot of these guys, um, with a lot of these guys, it's just BABIP and home run to fly ball rate, right? That's like the only major difference. And I think that's one of the challenging things with this is, is, is that's all it is, but it's still something, right? And at this point in time, if it like, if it's just moving, then, then we're got to try it out and, and see if, if it works. Hot, in the give lineup. me a week of hot, like I'm in. Like exactly, <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think that it's so important now to be looking at the schedule as well and seeing who has those matchups. I mean, a lot of the guys that we're putting in lineups now, skill wise, you know, there isn't a lot that differentiates them from anybody else that's going on. So anytime that you can get those quality matchups, anytime you can match up against the Orioles or whoever it is, you know, um, you always want to be doing that. But with Brinson, I got him last week in a couple places, I think, um, if not the week before. Um, just because they had the uh, Marlins had, I think, 14 straight games coming up or more than that, but like two straight weeks of seven games, including this week. But again, like he's the same guy he's always been. It's just you mentioned the BABIP. BABIP is elevated. You know, hard hit rates right in line with like every every single year. His plate discipline is actually worse. Than it has been throughout his career. His contact rate is actually like right in line with where he usually is. The home run per fly ball rate, you know, is elevated at 20% compared to 11.6% for his career. You know, so again, like everything that we're seeing him do is I don't see a skill change necessarily. I mean, the ground ball rate was a little bit lower a week ago, but it's already getting back to the point where it was before with him. So Again, like he's he's quality because he can hit home runs and because he can steal bases. You mentioned he's not really stealing bases, uh, so we'll see if that ever happens. But there's more. There's now more playing time to spread around though as well because you have Jesus Sanchez came back, yeah. you know. So one more outfielder to kind of mess around with timing wise. So you know he's fine, but I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't break the bank for Lewis Brinson at this point. Yeah, I was more breaking the bank on some of the starting pitchers we're going to discuss uh, this week than I was for the outfielders because the last couple of weeks we were like, I got the Ortegas and the Yadiels and those guys were, I kind of for once, and I'll probably jinx myself now, I had a, a five outfielders I could use, which has been a tough dilemma most of the season. So oh, now that sure. I say that, you know, we have five days left in the week, something's going to happen. And I'm like, I wish I had Lewis Princeton, but uh, we don't, we, I digress. And I also had to drop um, Edward Olivares everywhere. So that was fun as well. Same. Um 
But I, I like Lewis Brinson. I like I tweet about it all the time because he's like the dirt minimum on DK and he produces. He hits cleanup. Like he hits in a great spot in the order. This Marlins this team is young, so we see it time and time again. I know it's just like you can, you're not going to see it like on Savant or Fangraphs, but time and time again towards the end of the season with these young teams, they're still playing hard where some guys are just like giving up on other rosters just trying to get through the end of the season, as silly as that is. And you see some of these teams make runs, and they're like competing for jobs next season. And you you mentioned um, you mentioned Jesus Sanchez just came back. Brian De La Cruz is playing very well. He's hitting like sixth or seventh in that order. So there are a lot of mouths to feed, so it's going to keep Brins it should keep Brinson motivated to keep, you know, striving for that talent level. So we'll see. That's like the little, like, you know, excess stuff I think about that you can't see on the, the old computer. But um, we'll see. It'll be quite interesting to see for sure. All right. Um, Eliezer Hernandez, second most added, 212 leagues, $119 was the max. And um, I was all in on Eliezer Hernandez because I loved him before he got hurt. He pitched, like, he pitched one start, got hurt, came back, pitched one start, got hurt. This has been a trend for Eliezer Hernandez. He pitched one really good start again, five and a thirds, four hits, one earned, uh, four strikeouts. When you like break it down through 82 pitches, which I'll take. Um, he had um, he had a only a 27 CSW, still not bad though, not bad. You, you'd like to see some more there, but he he was moving his pitches around. He was getting the job done. I was happy with it as a first start. It was the Cubs, it's a grain of salt, but um, he's I know he's a guy that we've seen the pedigree from him, and you don't see that many type of guys available at this point in the season, so. Like I, I didn't break the banks. I don't have a bank to break, but I was going like anywhere from fifteen to twenty-five bucks, and that for me, that's breaking the bank right now. And I, I picked them up in most places. What about you? Yeah, I didn't get him anywhere. He was only available, I think, in one of my fifteen teamers. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he's he's been really good. I mean, yeah, he's been really good. I don't know if there's my, what else there is to say. Like. You know, essentially since the beginning of last year, it is only 37 innings, I guess. Um, so very small sample. You know, he's got a low BABIP. He's got a super high, the highest strand rate you could have at 100%. So there's obviously those things. But when you look at the things that you're actually like, you know, the skills, 24.5% K minus walk, 13.6% swinging strike rate, you know, above league average O swing. Again, it's 12 and a half innings, but he's been doing this since 2020. And he's got a nasty pitch. The slider is really good for him. And he was a target for a lot of smart people this year. So it's been sad to see that he hasn't been able to pitch. But, you know, he's healthy now, apparently. You know, we'll see how long it lasts. But great, great ad. And especially if you were able to get him, you know, on the when he was on the IL still, you know, before things got too crazy. Because I think, I can't remember if it was this fab period or last fab period. They all blend together now. But, um, you know, where it wasn't clear that he was going to start yet. It was last fab it period. Was last like fab it was, period, it yeah. wasn't clear that he was going to start quite yet. That's when, that's when they're cheap, but that's also when it's harder to make that commitment to them in fab, you know, cause you kind of need every, small every one setback and now you just wasted yeah. your money again. So it's, yeah, that, that's, that's, I'm with you hundred percent. Cause we were doing that early on. I did that with Nixon's L and we saw that one bite me in the ass, but, um, like Eliezer, I wish I would have, I still, I'm glad I got him, but, uh, you mentioned he was doing this in 2020. I remember one of my bold predictions was the Miami Marlins would have the best pitching staff in the East in at least because there's all pretty good staffs overall. And Hernandez was one of the reasons why, like he was like the fourth out of like a big five potentially, but they've all gotten hurt pretty much throughout this season, which is a big bummer. But yeah, I'm going to ride him as long as we can. Hopefully it's like four more starts, maybe five, give me five to six innings to start. I'm cool with that because the reason I was aggressive and we'll talk about drops later, but for this, for LA, sorry, another pitcher, 
was really aggressive on is one of my biggest holes on my teams that are doing well, if they're in third place or better, is wins and strikeouts. So I need starting pitchers. Like, it's very simple. So instead of going and streaming like Bailey Ober or Matt Manning or something like that, I'd rather spend more and try to get an Eliezer Hernandez or some other guys down the road and pray that they can be somewhat the guy we thought they were going to be. So hey, don't hate on me. Bailey Ober, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's one of those guys. Oh man, like, I got him. So in one, I got him in one league. He pitched well tonight. He pitched well tonight. Yeah, like, yeah, he did fine. He did fine. He's had he he's had fine. some great outings, and then some other outings. Like, wow, how are you in the big leagues right now? It's like he is literally that one. You just you throw him out there. Don't watch the game. Just don't watch it. <laughs> just look yeah. at the box score at the end and pray it works out. So yeah, he's That's been cool. doing yeah. he's been doing better of late for True. sure. True, yeah. definitely. And I know um, the stuff metrics from Eno, I believe he's one of the ones that – I believe he's one of the ones that rates pretty good there. I think a lot of it's because Eno said it breaks down. Basically, he's so tall, it makes a lot mm-hmm. of his stuff because the, the angles and stuff change so much mm-hmm. that that helps him a lot. But I know they've talked about it before. You have to go back and listen to one of the rates and barrels on it. But I'm pretty sure he was one of those guys. All yeah, right. I mean, I wasn't – I wasn't. There. I know he's – I don't think he's on our list, but – Ober's one of those guys where he came in and, and he wasn't that good. He had, I think, a, a couple lucky starts maybe. But then it's one of those weird things where, you know, maybe the re- the regression kind of starts to hit, but at the same time, the skills improve. Like when you look at him, I mean, 81 point, over his last five starts, 81.6% Z contact, 13.6% swinging strike, 5% walk, 25% K, 33% O swing. I mean – that's quality. That's Pretty all good. above. Yeah. That's all above league average for Ober. So, um, I will fight to the death for Bailey Ober at this yeah. point in time. Earlier in the season, I was like, stay, stay away from him. But see, that was my problem. Early in the season, I was like, oh sweet, I, I'm listening to Eno and them talk about it. I'm like, I'm going to grab him. So I took the bad starts, dropped them, and now the good starts are coming. So it's one of those lovely moments where I'm trying to stream pitchers because I need. Like I said, I've been needing wins forever, like most people do, but. He didn't look like it was going to come anytime soon for a while there. I'm like, nope, we're moving on. Yeah, should have should have held on a little longer. Um, the next most added player in 210 leagues was Joe Barlow, a max of 204. Another fun one, Joe Barlow. Like everyone wanted Patton out of Texas. He got the early <laughs> look. He got the early looks as closer. But um, of late, Barlow's got the the looks. He got a save on the 13th and the 15th, basically the two that's the Friday and Sunday before Fab. He's looked very good uh, in his outings. He hasn't given up a run since july 3rd and that's the only run he's allowed the entire season so he's been very very good out of the pen uh what's your thoughts on barlow who's a guy that i think surprised even like as much as we love greg jewett and ryan roof he wasn't even really on those lists for most of the season like this guy came out of kind of nowhere which tells you a lot about because those guys know a lot about this stuff so what's your thoughts on barlow yeah um my thoughts on barlow uh could write a dissertation on, on joe barlow no, I mean, um, I think he's fine. I think he's good. Like all the skills are really good. He's been super lucky. And this is what like gets me because this is like, this is the all encompassing reliever conundrum is, and again, this is all coming from bitterness. I hope everybody's clear on that. But like I had Spencer Patton everywhere. I got him for like four bucks. I think we were talking about him on the show. I was like, I got Spencer Patton. I got Spencer Patton. You did it. Um, and like, if you look at their numbers, they're like virtually identical, like K minus walk rate, you know, swing strike. I mean, Barlow's better than him at O swing, which I think is a key piece, yeah. but like in a lot of metrics, they're like pretty similar. And it's just like for Barlow, he's got a 194 BABIP and what it, let, let me, let me make sure I'm giving it to you right. 
He's got a 167 BABIP, excuse me, and a 91.7% strand rate, right? So he's not, not, not letting any runners that he gets on base score. And nobody who puts the ball in play is getting a hit. Granted, you know, the skills are really nice. 20% K minus walk, 14.1 swinging strike, 35.7 O swing. He's doing well in the zone at 81.2%. But when you look at Spencer Patton, like, especially for, you know, 22 inning and 14 inning samples, like they're doing pretty similarly. And the difference is that like Spencer Patton, when he first had his save opportunity, you know, walked the first two guys against the Mariners and was an absolute disaster. Um, and then never, never got another shot, you know, and, and Barlow came in and he's doing the job and it's great to have him. I, I'd be super excited to have him. I mean, the thing about the Rangers is, and the thing about bad teams is bad teams are really bad, but we saw this with the Diamondbacks earlier, right? They didn't get a save for two months, whatever it was, something ridiculous. But then who led the league in saves for the following month? Soria. It was Soria. Yep. And it's just because like they will win games at some point over the next two weeks, they will go five and two one week, you know, somehow, right. They'll accumulate, you know, 20 wins and they're not that good. So they're probably not going to be blowout wins. Right. And so there's going to be save opportunities for these guys down the stretch. And that's a long way of saying I'm very bitter, but I think Barlow was a great ad. He was my top reliever ad for this, this week. I didn't get him a lot of places because I wasn't willing to go quite there, but I don't know. I guess that's why we love 12 teamers is because we get guys like Joe Barlow for cheap. My God, 12 teamers. Like I think I want to just play all OCs next year because doing fab the last like two months, A, the guy, like I've gotten Herman Marquez, Bumgarner, Joey Vaughn, like the guys you get off the wire, yeah. you're just like. Unopposed. Like, oh yeah. my God, this is freaking amazing. Like $21, what? I guess like I should have paid, like, like I said, unopposed. I could put a buck for these guys. But even like this time of the year, I, when we recap my stuff, I, so I won't say it all now. But I got four guys, I think, in a 12-teamer for a total of like seven bucks. And when you hear the names, you're going to be like, what? Because I, I was shocked. I thought, like, there's no way. No way at all. And they're all on my roster. So 12-team leagues, man. They're uh, a thing of beauty. So all I got to say. It, it's something special. Oh, man. God. But, uh, I, I got Barlow. I, I bid 17 bucks for him in an OC. Yeah. And I, I had a $1 backup bid. You know, I was like, wow, I got a backup bid. So, hey. It's, it's wild. It's wild times. Uh, the fourth most added player is Vladimir Gutierrez of the Cincinnati Reds, picked up in 191 leagues, as high as $61. And this is a guy that early on in the in the season, more pitch to contact than he like, lots of walks, which would get himself in trouble. Last four starts heading into Tuesday, and Tuesday didn't pitch too bad uh, either. The, the, the Cubs got a couple runs on him, but nothing too crazy. But going into Tuesday night, four straight starts of six innings or more, two runs or less, so quality starts, five or more Ks in three of the four starts. Uh, overall, like the you know the left on base rate is not what you'd be hoping for, but and the swinging strike rate is just around ten percent. But um, overall, it was looking much much better of late. Still, I'm not a hundred percent a believer in Gutierrez. Like he's one of those guys I think he'll be pretty good, but the blowups are coming once in a while thing where you can't really sleep comfortably, especially in Great American Small Park. But he's serviceable right now. He had a two step this week. Uh, were you interested in him this week? Did you grab him anywhere? Um, I, um, I did not grab him anywhere. Um, he was not available in most of my, uh, most of my 15 teamers. Um, but yeah, I I think we, you know, he's been, he's one of these guys that like keeps on showing up in our list because, you know, he's, he's drop him, stream him for two. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and I think the last time we talked about him and and I'll check just to make sure, but, you know, I think his slider is a pretty good pitch. His slider is kind of the carrying pitch. Yeah, 18.2% swinging strike rate, 
36.4%. It's kind of fascinating. I mean, you know, and so he had elevated the usage of that pitch and he was pitching better. And then of course, over his last five starts, he's actually been throwing that pitch a lot less. Um, And so, I mean, I think he's blah, like he's just kind of like essentially like super mediocre. There's nothing that jumps out the page. He had a bad Babbitt game tonight, which elevated his ERA to 387. Um, But, uh, well, I guess it didn't elevate his ERA to 387. I guess it dropped. No, it went up. Well, anyways, the season ERA is, is 387, but he had a bad Babbitt game. You know, he's got the the strand rate and the and the Babip are gonna come back. And I think he'll have like maybe another couple games like this, you know, and all of a sudden he'll be like a four five ERA guy with a one four whip, you know, so just super mediocre. The two starts were intriguing for sure. But he's just one of these guys where he's not he, he walks a ton of guys too. So there's a lot of base runners. A lot of base runners. I think we can say he's been lucky so far and his whip is one three three. And so just not, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there um, yeah. with guys like this down the stretch. It's just scary. Unless you need to, of course. If you need wins, the Reds are playing great. Like, and, you know, you got the Cubs. Like, I, I could see the appeal on a two-start week for sure. But I'm with you. Like, you mentioned the walks. Um, until recently, wasn't even really a strikeout guy. So you were praying, like you said, that the Babbitt wouldn't crush him and he wouldn't walk like two guys and you have a home run type things and just destroy your ratios. Like at this point in the season, like you said, it was earlier. Okay, you take your game. I took a lot of dumb gambles early, like a lot. Now I'm focused on wins and strikeouts. To me, and I don't want to like destroy my ratios. I'm not like not worrying about my ratios. Like if like some people like if you're screwed on ratios, you're screwed. So a guy like Gutierrez just scares me too much. I guess is what it is, especially on a week like this where I can go get Elias or, or you know a, and maybe um maybe they don't have two steps this week. You know a should. Like it's he's questionable. He might throw Sunday. They might make push him Monday to be safe. I'd rather go for those guys, knowing I'm going to use them the rest of the season, than going for Gutierrez, thinking, okay, we're going to drop him after this week. Let's just hope he doesn't crush us, type thing. So yeah, that's where I'm at because I'm limited on funds. So you got to make every move count right now. Um, next up on the agenda, Connor Joe picked up in 187 leagues as high as 71. Pretty simple here. A, he's actually hitting very well home and road. The last like two weeks on the road at home. He's hit safely in all but three games over like the last two weeks. Great power, home and road, three at home, uh, or four at home, one on the road. So that's a little varying. But he's leading off for the Rockies. He had six games in Coors this week. This was one of the bigger no-brainers like, hey, you got to at least put some kind of bid in on this guy because – and it's already paid off. He homered on Monday. He um, he got on base, I think, three or four times on Tuesday night and scored like twice. Like, he's already paying off. He's got four more games in Coors. So, like, I don't – you, what were your thoughts? Because that was the easiest way for me. And I put bids in everyone. I got him like in three leagues. So I was pretty pumped on that. Yeah, no, I think he was, He, I think you're, you're right on. I mean, everything about him so far has been really good. Um, you know, there's like really no complaints I can, I can have about what I've seen so far. And when I dug in on him and he was my top outfield ad for this week, um, 291 batting average, seven home runs, 13 runs, 25 RBI, He's walking a decent clip supported by a nice O swing. He's making higher than league average contact. He's hitting the ball in the air, 32.7%, you know, ground ball rate. He's hitting the ball decently hard. And then his exit below stuff, max exit below 113 is great. He's already got 12 barrels, 12%, you know, barrels per batted ball event. Um, you know, I, I don't see any issues at all. And then he plays half of his game in, in cores. He's hitting lead off. He's playing every day and he checks every single box. So I was able to get him in a few places. 
Um, probably not enough. I think he was already gone. I think he, he, he went on a lot of 15 teamers um, last week. But yeah, I, I liked Connor Joe a lot. Yeah. And I, I think he's one of those guys, you know, there's been like the Jonathan Dawes this, this year and some others where Joe's a guy I could literally see myself playing more than just Coors or at worst, I'm like, I'm holding you knowing you're going back to Coors next week type thing. It's not one of those where it's not you're streaming a bat. Like he's playing well enough, like you said, that he's hitting for a decent average. He's on base skills and he's leading off. Like yeah, these are, he's going to get you counting stats. And I, I'm a big fan of that. So uh, I think he's going to be a guy I'm going to stick with probably the rest of the way, barring some, you know, unless he just completely falls apart type thing. So, we'll see yeah, and just, goes. just, um, Bubba, because I know we don't talk about the English Premier League enough. Uh, we do have a little question here from our fellow um, Liverpool fan, uh, SMMS79. He says, Would you add Virgil van Dyke in an 11 teamer? Uh, the answer is absolutely. I mean, I don't even care what a sport you're no playing. Any, anytime <laughs> you can add that quality, the best center back in the world to your team, even if he's hitting in the nine hole, um, I add him, even, even when he's coming off of ACL surgery. So, yes, absolutely, you do that. They looked uh, they looked okay, and and then they looked great after Fabinho came on. Um, he just makes such a difference for them on uh, on on Saturday. So yeah, because yeah, they returned the, like last Saturday was the first re- like the return of, of yeah. Uh, okay. The first game was Friday, Arsenal Brentford, and then they had Saturday and Sunday games as well. Um, but it was a really nice way to to start our tie our title win. Um, for I sure, because Liverpool won the last EPL, correct? They won two years ago. Yeah. And oh, then they, won they had a lot of injuries, including Mr. Virgil van Dyke, um, who's the best best center back in the world. Who won last year? Man City. Man City. Oh, Man City. Okay. I so mean, could it be anybody there. other than Man City or Liverpool? Absolutely not. You're asking the wrong guy there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you, don't, you don't do a soccer pod? No, I'm unfortunately, surprised. Unfortunately, when we start adding 36 hours in our day, which is probably coming up, then soccer is coming into play definitely because i've learned like i talked about it i can't remember what show i was talking to someone on i've learned to appreciate soccer between mm. going to a game in, at psg a while back oh um, cool in college you can talk messy all day all, like i'm pumped but this was this was back when it was ebra and no one else really like it was good okay. but um and then in college at our fraternity the agricultural fraternity we had two brazilians living with us because they were majoring in uh, beef production for brazil mm. And it was the World Cup, and Brazil oh, was playing man. like six in the morning. So we go to the bar with them. Oh, so much. You fun. couldn't like soccer after that. I don't know what like all their Brazilian friends there. It was bananas. So, oh, yeah. so good. New appreciation so for good. soccer after all that. Picture. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, back to the Fab time. We have Carlos Hernandez picked up in 167 leagues as high as 65 dollars. It's the guy I grabbed a couple weeks ago for cheap. I grabbed him a couple other places. Like on, I thought they're keep him honest bids. I he, he showed up. Uh, he was. Dominant in his first three starts, one and runner less. This last start against Houston, I was kind of worried about it. Gave up four runs. Most of them were late in that outing through six innings. Only one strikeout was a bit concerning. And when you kind of go look at his his Savant page, only a 17% CSW rate was not ideal. Uh, he had the slider, four-seamer, and the sinker kind of all working together, but he wasn't getting a lot of swing and misses. It was a, um, they were hitting them and hitting them often, and he was kind of having to, to, to pray it would work. In the best case, the Babbitt was only 266, thank good, or 286 in that game. Otherwise, it could have been really bad. But um, overall, he's another one of those guys in the stuff, the stuff plus metrics and stuff. He rates out very good because he uses three to four pitches regularly, and that's helped him kind of get through his games. So I like Carlos Hernandez. I was in him more on him last week than this week, but what's your thoughts on him? 
Yeah, you know, if he had had better matchups, if he didn't face Houston, I probably would have gone there, even though Houston's a little bit, you know, down um, right now. I mean, Kyle Tucker, man. Can we talk about Kyle Tucker? COVID. Being- they said at least this week. Like, there's not even. Yeah, which yet. is weird because he was out for COVID earlier. Yes, you so know, think, like, well, yeah, we could go. Uh, like, was he a close contact or? Yeah, it's weird I don't know what the at least one week, so you'd think he'd have it, which yeah. close or maybe he was a close contact time. last time, and then yeah. he is now, and I don't know. Either way, they, they have Casey in Seattle. This the next two week stretch for the Astros is like unbelievable, and Jordan's heating up again. Unbelievable, like, out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to have that. So I wasn't after him for that reason. He's been on my radar a little bit just because the velocity is up. He's one of the, been one of the harder throwers in, in all of baseball, and that's always something that I'm looking at. But I just don't see enough there. I just don't I don't see it. Um, you know, like over his last, you know, five games, three games, his K rate is 14.9%. Swinging strike rate is low. He looked absolutely filthy out of the bullpen. But since he's become a starter, the stuff isn't really there um, that much. You know who he kind of reminds me of? I don't know if this is a good comparison or not. I, I Is Jorge Lopez, who was also on the Royals for a while. Super hard thrower, um, but just doesn't have the the extra, the secondaries, you know, to be effective, or at least hasn't yet. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops. Like, he's definitely like a guy, like, in, for going into DCs next year, I think I'll be on and you know, maybe a late, late round guy, uh, 100%. you know, cause, cause there are, there are those certain intangibles, right? Like you can't, you can certainly coach velo, like you can increase velo, but a guy being towards the top of the league, right? 97, four on the year, you know, that's the type of velo that, that is hard to reach if you are not close to that, you know? So. Yeah. Cause like you look at his, he wasn't getting swings and misses, but like his slider is still averaging 85. His four seam was still averaging close to 97. His sinker is averaging close to 97. They maxed his fastball maxed out at 99.4. Then his curveball and his changeup weren't bad. He just was not getting anybody missing on him in this outing. Yeah. So like you said, he's got to fix some of that stuff, but he's so young still that I, I will be very interested in going into the next season to see what the development process is right now. Looking at like his stuff there, you know, we just, a guy we talked about, just for fun, would you rather have Hernandez or Vladimir Gutierrez if you had to pick one? Oh man, Hernandez doesn't walk as many guys. That's the difference, I would say. But yeah, I would, I would, I think I'd go with Hernandez. Yeah, it's tricky. Bigger right? ballpark too, yeah. division, the whole shot. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess the NL Central's gotten easier too as we think about it. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that yeah, one goes. NL Central's god awful. Yeah. All right, Tyler Wade average, uh, added in 149 leagues as high as $91. Been a lot of playing time with Glaber Torres out. Glaber started taking infield drills on Tuesday, so maybe he's inching his way towards rehab. I'm guessing we still got about another week or so before we get some Glaber action out there, and we'll see how good that is. Thumbs injuries, like I'm not happy at all about this. But Tyler Wade's been playing pretty well. I was not in on him because I wasn't really interested in that position this week for my roster. But do you have anything on Tyler Wade? We kind of know who he is. He, I think he's playing above his skis right now. But, hey, Yankees are Yankees. They're hot right now, so roll with it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this one's really like a this week's schedule type of one. I mean, if you look at what he did last week, I think he stole three or four bases, if not five bases, in a single week. You know, And so that's yeah, certainly going to get on people's radar. He's, he's got the multi-position eligibility, second, short, third, outfield. So he's got everything there. And then this week, the Yankees were really nice. I mean, they've got five games 
first half of the week, three games, second half of the week. So you knew that he was probably going to get into three of those games. Red Sox are not good at holding runners on base. The Angels aren't good at holding runners on base. Uh, the Twins are not that good at holding runners on base, I think. And so it all lined up to be like kind of that one week where you're like, I think I'm going to go in on Tyler Wade this week. So regardless of what the underlying metrics are, I mean, I, I think we are at the point where we understand that Tyler Wade isn't very good, but he can be good in fantasy because of what he is able to contribute. And I think with this week's schedule and him getting some run against right-handed pitchers, and I think them facing six out of eight right-handed pitchers, I think it was a really nice week to have him. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a weekly thing. Wouldn't be surprised if in two weeks when we're doing Fab, he's on the waiver wire everywhere again. So For sure. that, that could be very much in play. Luis Gill, or Luis Eel, I should say, is the way you pronounce it uh, by listening on TV. Uh, he was added in 141 leagues as high as 65. We've seen him in his first two outings, 6Ks, 8Ks, got at least five shutout innings in each. On um, on Tuesday, he went four and two-thirds, shut out, but walked four and struck out four. He was pretty filthy still. We look at it, high 90, 98 on the fastball. He had a 25 CSW. He had a 37 CSW on the slider, which was very impressive. But still kind of a – I think he's still a work in progress. Like the, He's very, very good, but I think they kind of kind of have to mold, like fine-tune it still a little bit. But I think he's very good. It just it depends on how many more starts he's going to get. Um, I liked him. I didn't get any shares of him. He wasn't like one of my primary bids. But what's your thoughts on Luis Il? Yeah, he was a guy who I was a little bit interested in when he had the two starts, when it looked like he might get the two starts. But the minute that the Yankees announced that Cole was going to pitch on Monday, I lost interest just because, you know, you have him going up against Boston for his one start. But skills-wise, I mean, he's been phenomenal. I mean, 25.6% K-minus walk, 13.3 swinging strike, 35.6 O swing, 79.6% Z contact. So he's dotting every I, crossing every T. You mentioned, like, he hasn't given up a run. That's certainly not going to be – not going to stay. So there's going to be some regression there and the, kind of some of the quote-unquote luck metrics. But he's doing really well. It'll be interesting to see what the Yankees do with that rotation. You know, they've got – They've got Jomo and Cole back. They have uh, Heal for one more start. You know, Cole going Saturday, Montgomery going Sunday. It'll be really interesting to see if they if they think about, um, especially after Heaney gets destroyed tomorrow. Um, I don't do DFS, but I would I would certainly yeah, um, I would certainly okay. stack tomorrow against Heaney. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting if Heaney struggles. It would put uh, Heal on tap for that Monday start uh, at Atlanta. And so if that's the case, that would be great. He was gone in a lot of 15s. And he's one of those guys that's kind of like, if you, if you have a 15-teamer, you know, you definitely want to get him. Uh, but if you're in a 12-teamer, there's not necessarily, you know, there's not necessarily like the volume. There's, you know, some, there's enough question marks where maybe you're not as aggressive or better alternatives where you think there are better alternatives. But um, he looks really good so far. So, yeah, he's another guy that I'll, I will definitely be looking at in DCs next year. Like, he's a guy I'll be very excited to see how that pans out because, Severino doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. So they might they might give him a little longer look here. We'll see. But I, like, yeah, with Cole coming back, he looked kind of Cole-like in his last outing. So that that was definitely good to see. Um, there's definitely um, lots to like there with Louise uh, as he's getting it going. All right on this one. Let me uh, pull up this next game. I'm trying to uh, get it figured out here, but it's taking its time. Huasker uh, Yanoa was the next kind of big one that got added here. Um, he was added in 127 leagues as high as $121. For some reason, I was trying to pull up his stats from Baseball Savant, and it's not, I mean, uh, 
from Fangraphs, and they're not showing it on the game feed. So I, I do know he went five and a third, struck out four, didn't allow a pitched run. Well. Yeah. yeah, he pitched really well. He went like 80-something pitches, so he probably could have gone a little longer, but they wanted to keep it simple. His rehab starts were great. Him and Eliezer, I was all in on, and I got them in a lot of places this week. I was all in on these two. Strikeouts galore. Wins can be there. I don't have a whole lot to say besides I'm so happy he's back, and I hope he does not punch any walls the rest of the way. Yeah, for sure. No, you know it was great. I grabbed him actually like two or three weeks ago, I think, um, when he was available in some 15s uh, when he was coming back. So I have him at least in one place, which is nice. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's been really good. I mean, he's a, he's a, a super great ad. I just wanted to say on the last thing about Cole is I hope, I hope, you know, there's the song, um, what's that song? And I pray, oh my God, do I pray? I pray every day for a revolution. Uh, I can't remember who it is, but it's, um, oh, it's not, it's not Cowboy Junkies, I don't think. Anyways, I pray for Garrett Cole, for people to still be low on Garrett Cole. You know, next year, like people are talking about how, no, is he a first round pick anymore? Is you know, with all this stuff. I mean, Garrett Cole has been nasty. You know, his Z contact is down to 79.1% over his last five. His strikeout rate is 40% over his last five. His swinging strike rate is 15.3%. His walk rate is 7.2%. He's just absolutely filthy people. So I hope he falls in drafts. Keep drafting all these other guys over him. And I'll just draft, continue to draft Garrett Cole. Early drafts, you're going to get a discount on guys like him and Degrom, especially if Degrom doesn't pitch the rest of this season. Oh, man. So I don't know if I can do that. Well, that's the risk. But if you're willing to take some risk early on, you could get a at least with Cole. But Degrom, I'm intrigued still to this moment because he's still the best, like most money, like whatever fantasy dollars this season, and he barely pitched. I get it. I get the concern. But the Cole thing, eventually, I think by like February. We'll be back to reality, but sure. early on, people are going to be like, "Oh no, oh no!" And then eventually, people will kind of get that out of their head. I think. I think we'll see. But you know, what do you got on you know? Yeah, no, I I, I like him. Um, I mean, he was really good earlier this year. Came on his walk, swinging strike, the whole everything. So you know, a little bit of uh, control issues. If I'm not making that up, but um, I didn't do a ton of research on him just because. He was, he, was, he, was, he was gone or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so 21.8% came on his walk, 13-3 swing strike, He's better good. than league average O swing. This walk rate was at 6.1%. I mean, everything is looks beautiful there. Um, and I yeah. tried to put like cheap bids in on the previous weeks as like backup bids, but I actually got the guys I was going for, so I never got you know it for cheap. But uh, I didn't have to spend too much, I guess. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, so I was kind of happy there. Uh, there's a lot of other ads like Yanni Hernandez. If you want speed, he's leading off for the Rangers. He was picked Yanni, up five. Yeah. He was picking up 105 leagues. Ledimus Diaz is swinging a lot right now in the middle of the order and with some power because Bre- and Bregman is nowhere back. to be found. Yeah, just won't come back. So he's in 100 leagues. Chris Sale got picked up in the 95 leagues. He was available. I he wasn't available in any of my leagues, so that didn't matter. He's only available in one of mine, and did I you, got him. How much did you get him for? Two hundred two. We'll talk about that in a bit. Two hundred two. Uh, it was the nastiest bid of all time. Yeah. What was what was the runner up? One ninety six. Oh, that feels so good, doesn't it? Oh, it feels good. It yeah. feels good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yes, Monty Grandal's uh, just went to AAA for rehab. Got moved up to AAA, so he'll be back probably into this week, early next week. He was picked up in ninety five leagues. Frank Schwindel, I love 
him. I've been putting small bids in on him. I just haven't got him because my other bids go first, but he picked up at 95 leagues. He's hitting second now for the Cubs, and he's hit, he got another double tonight. He's hit safely, I think, in like six or seven games at least. So he's productive. You, know, you got Tukey, Travis Darnode's back. A lot of interesting ads here. Does anybody stand out to you or any thoughts on some of these guys? Um, I'm trying to see how Raylo did today to see if I should talk did, about he him. He did pretty well. He did, pretty he, did well. he did well. I was I was actually looking at the skills wise. He did he did fine there too. Um, I mean Reynaldo Lopez, Cy Young. Oh, this man. is the if season. He, if he puts a big big month of like, oh man, if he puts a good Dude. month together, he's gonna kill me for next I have, season. I have, let's see how many. I have been so many like best balls in DC. It's going to be glorious. Uh, dude, I have them in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, I only have them in eight DCs. Um, yeah, I love Reynaldo Lopez. Um, yeah, so guys, uh, Yanni Hernandez is definitely interesting to me. Hitting lead off, stealing bases, has really been good OBP wise. Not going to hit you probably a home run the entire season, but, yeah. um, you know, pretty good. Schwindel is playing every day for that awful Cubs lineup. You know, he was a guy, um, Jorge Mateo, I think of all the speedsters was kind of the best one to go after, uh, this week, David Price has the two, the potentially two start. I don't know if they're actually going to do it. Um, let's see what, let's see what Rotowire has right now. Um, they probably will. He just might not go deep in either one. Yeah. He's good. He's going to, he's got the Mets. So two home starts, one being the Mets, uh, Anthony Bender, you know, it was interesting because, uh, Bender got the two saves or the one save, I think, and a win um, in back-to-back games. And then Floro got the save on Sunday, but I still think Bender's probably the guy more often than not. Bender pitched the ninth tonight when they were down 1-0, so like high leverage. Gave up a homer to Riley, but he they put him in in the big spot. So I think it's still yeah. is for now. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, a Tanner Houck, where he was available. Yohel Yo, Yo Pozo. So I have Wilson Contreras. Yep. Uh, and he's on the IL. And so I picked up Pozo one place and I picked up Varsha one place where I need a little bit of speed uh, more so than, than other things. But um, Pozo could be a, a real game changer because he's been a great hitter throughout, you know, um, well, actually I only know about this year. Everybody AAA, knows about this yeah. year, right? In AAA, but he's playing every single day. And so you're going to get every single day played appearances from catcher. I mean, he, honestly, if he hits 220, 230 he's probably better than most of the other catchers and there's a little bit of pop and and he's going to get that the plate appearances to get you those counting stats so definitely would be a guy if he didn't go last week that i and he continues to play every day that i would be uh, i'd be going after pretty hard so those were some of the guys um that i went after but we can go over kind of ads and drops and stuff like that yeah let's start those ads and drops off so why don't you get going and let us know uh what you added and dropped this past week. All right. In my biggest league, Chris Sale, 202, dropping Ross Stripling, 196 backup bid. That one felt good. I mean, might not win the league, might not even cash because in fifth place, I think right now, but but we got Chris Sale. So we pretty much won, you know, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It was like celebration. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a league I I share as well. So it was particularly um, it was fun to celebrate that one. Uh, added Seth Brown, dropped Justin Upton uh, for a little while. I was petrified because like the 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 chain of events was draft Justin Upton everywhere. He does well, gets injured, sucks. Then Adam Eaton begins to be the right handed side of the platoon, and he's left handed side of the platoon. So I drop him in all of my leagues that night after Fab runs. 
they DFA Eaton, and then he comes back the next day, hits a home run off a of Cole against a righty. So I was like, oh God, he's going to play every day now. But he didn't play today um, against whoever it was he was playing up against. He didn't play today. So drop Justin Upton. I just didn't feel like I could, I hadn't had him in the lineup for a couple weeks and just couldn't keep on hanging on to him. And Seth Brown is playing against righties. Uh, I didn't see what he did uh, today, but not very well because they, they scored zero the runs. Didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's been playing against righties. Did he at least play? I, I can't remember. Yes, he did. He did play. Oh, he only played. He only got one at bat though. What? There, I don't know what happened in that regards. I know Bassett got hit in the head with a line drive and got taken off a stretcher into the hospital, but uh, the A's, after that moment, the A's didn't really do it. Like, they were just all out of it the rest of the way. Yeah. No. Well, oh, Josh Harrison came back is what happened. Yes, um, Josh Harrison okay. is back. So Seth Brown, uh, maybe that's just going to be a one-week thing. Added David Bednar, dropped Spencer Patton. Added Jake Myers, dropped Sam Hilliard. This was a little bit of a controversial one. Mm. I think um, with Myers, you know, with with Tucker out, he played against the lefty on Saturday or Sunday, and he's been playing every day. He played today um, as well um, against the li- a lefty in Lynch. Uh, Myers did, and and so with the upcoming schedule that the – uh, Astros have, and also having Kyle Tucker on this team as well, and a couple other places. I, I was into Jake Myers. He hit for batting average, hit for power, hit for and stole bases uh, in the minors, and has done a little bit of that in his short time up. So those were the guys. And then added Willie Castro, dropped um, Josh Limblom, added Limblom just in case he he got into the starting rotation there somewhat when Lauer was injured, but Lauer ended up playing. Uh, got Oscar Mercado, dropped Anthony Alford. I need stolen bases pretty badly. Um, I wanted to get Jorge Mateo, but I was just a little uh, under-aggressive, I guess, on Mateo. Ended up with Mercado, which I don't feel great about, honestly. Picked up Sewell, dropped Britain. Uh, I felt really good about this one, actually, and he got the save tonight because Sewell, you know, Diego Castillo had pitched the seventh and the eighth in the previous times, and Sewell was on, out on paternity leave. And so Steckenrider had come in and was pitching earlier. But before that, it was really Castillo and Sewell pitching the eighth and ninth. And it seems like they're going with Sewell right now. And that could be huge because Sewell is probably the best relief pitcher this year. He's He's been he's been absolutely phenomenal. So to have that quality of a pitcher, in addition to maybe getting having that guy get saves, I feel super good about. Uh, Picked up Dalton Varsho, dropped Justin Upton. This is where I lost uh, Wilson Contreras and then added Jake Myers, dropped Edward Olivares, added Rowan Wick, dropped Alex Cobb. Well, guess who got the save today? Cody Hoyer. Uh, Wick pitched the seventh. He, he also is just doesn't strike out a lot of guys, so he doesn't have any utility whatsoever when he's not getting saves. So we'll see what the Cubs are going to do. Maybe he'll get an opportunity later this week, but he's probably an immediate drop. I dropped Alex Cobb because he hasn't thrown. And they yeah, did like they even, did. There's like no timetable right there's now. There's nothing, and why would the Angels push him yeah, at all? Why? You know, yeah. he's done. He's done. Um, and then I added Renato Nunez, dropped Ramon Urias. Urias had been injured, and then Mateo was getting a little bit more playing time, so he was sitting every third or fourth day, and so I moved on from him. Um, <clears throat> I added G Man Choi, dropped Harold Ramirez. Ramirez went to the IL. Probably going to be on there, I don't know, two weeks, maybe more. I just didn't want to have him on my bench for that. He's not good enough for that. Added Brent Rooker, dropped Ryan Yarborough. I'm done with Yarborough. If he's not yep. – he doesn't have two starts a week. I mean, he went on the IL, but I was going to drop him anyways. Like, 
he doesn't have two starts, he's getting you what three to five strikeouts, which I can probably get with a reliever, at least like three to four. Um, and he just, he has not been good. He's absolutely been atrocious and he's destroyed me. Um, Colin McHugh, I added drop Spencer Patton. McHugh is just a great guy to have. If you don't, if you don't need wins, you know, or even if you, even if wins are a thing, I mean, like his ratios are excellent. His K's are good. He started, it was a bummer that he started this last game. He would have gotten a win if he had come in after Fleming, but, um, you know, they could move him back, uh, into being the second guy who pitches the bolt guy who pitches when Fleming pitches next, you know, on this weekend. So he's going to get a couple starts, uh, or they could stretch him out. Cause I mean, honestly, he's been absolutely phenomenal. So I love having him in leagues just to be able to plug him in a guy that I trust. Who's been just absolutely crushing it. Added Connor Joe dropped Edward Olivares added Rowan wick dropped Scott Barlow. Barlow just hasn't been getting save opportunities and he hasn't been pitching multiple innings either. And he hasn't really been striking out that many guys. So my interest in him just, just waned a little bit. He did get that win. I added Owen Miller dropped Justin Upton. I just needed a shortstop because um, of some injuries that were going on. Oh, this was, this was, I have like $50 left in this league. Every single one of these bids was $2 for six guys. Brett Gardner dropped Harold Ramirez. I got Gardner only because of, you know, he had a great schedule, eight games. You know, he stole a base today. He didn't get a hit, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, Rugi, again, eight games, playing every day in that that Yankees lineup. Dropped Andy Ibanez. He just, you know, he looked like he might have been losing a little bit of playing time. Uh, Rowan Wick dropped uh, Zach Britton. Zach Britton, man, got four save opportunities in the first five days and only converted one of them. Like did, that did is you the hear? epitome of. Oh. He he went in. I think it was after the, yeah. the Field of Dreams game and literally told Joe Girardi, "I am not fit to close right now. Do not put me in the ninth inning." <laughs> well, like, oh man. Um, and then uh, and then he ended up getting put in in a save opportunity. Yeah. Um, because. Because it went to extras. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Added Yohel Pozo, dropped Alex Cobb, added Chad Green. That's worked out really well so far. Dropped Merrill Kelly, who's got COVID. um, And so who knows when he'll be back. Added Miles Mikolas and dropped Justin Upton. Mikolas was another guy that I was really targeting to add. He's supposed to pitch on Saturday against Pittsburgh, is my understanding. He threw seven in a really nice um, rehab outing. Oh, he's playing fr- pitching Friday against Pittsburgh. So I was all over that. I tried to add him in as many leagues as I as I possibly could there. Um, so that was that league. Those were all $2 bids. I really kind of enjoyed that. Um, then I added Rowan Wick, dropped Merrill Kelly, added Bailey Ober, dropped Andy Ibanez, added Connor Joe, dropped Ramon Urias, added Miles Mikolas, dropped Zach Eflin. And then my last 15-teamer, TGFBI, added Joe Barlow, uh, dropped Spencer Patton, added... ...about Michael Gibbons. He's now gotten the last three saves for the Reds. The Reds have one of the best schedules down the stretch. They play a ton of NL Central opponents. I think um, it was Jeff Passan did an analysis of like who's playing the seven worst teams in baseball the most down the stretch. And the Reds, I think, were number two with 19 games against like the Cubs, the Pirates, the Marlins, like all those, the Rangers, all these teams that just are absolute dumpster fires. Um, So he could get a ton of saves down the stretch if he's able to maintain that role. Um, I like him a lot. Nicky Lopez, I added, dropped Alcides Escobar for a second baseman. 
added Yanni Hernandez, dropped Justin Upton, and then added Brett Gardner, dropped Merrill Kelly. These were all for saves, and Nicky Lopez got three stolen bases uh, on yesterday, I think. Nice. Um, so that was a nice start to the season. And then in the 12s, um, in the 12s, added Joe Barlow, 17 bucks, runner-up one, dropped Spencer Patton, added Connor Joe, dropped Edward Olivares, added Tyler Wade, dropped Miguel Cabrera, added Joe Barlow, dropped Dylan Floro, added Aledmus Diaz, dropped Brandon Belt, added Brent Rooker, dropped uh, Lorenzo Cain. Rooker's been playing every single day. They had seven games this week. Uh, added Jorge Mateo, dropped Edward Olivares, added Anthony Bender, dropped Kyle Finnegan, added Bailey Ober, dropped Kyle Farmer, added Tyler Wade, dropped Andres Jimenez. And the thing with Finnegan was he only had five games this week. He's not actually that good. He's just got access to saves. And I was really want better ratios. So I felt like that might be an upgrade, that Bender move there. But so far, not. But that's 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 a wrap on on my moves this week. All right. Uh, before I get to my moves, I'm tilting as the top for the night. They brought Jarl Garcia in instead of uh, Jake McGee. So this is going to be fun. Really fun. Giants. McGee has gotten the last two two seconds. I know. Right? I, I'm just nervous with Jarl. And then they just misplayed a ball in the outkick. We're going to talk about moves. Um, oh. In TGFBI, I got Connor Joe, dropped Edward Olivares, and I picked up Brian De La Cruz. And I dropped Nick Senzel. Uh, De La Cruz is like my fourth option. So that was the one that went there. Um, and. In my OC qualifier, I grabbed Eliezer Hernandez for $4 and dropped Joe Ross. Got Carlos Hernandez, dropped Craig Kimbrell. This is a 12-teamer. I just couldn't Mm -hmm. do the Kimbrell thing anymore. I might regret that, but we'll see. Added Jaron Duran for $2, dropped Edward Olivares. And I got Sam Hilliard for $2, dropped Wilmer Flores, who's in a massive platoon now. So even Brandon Belt is in a platoon, which is crazy as we speak. In one of my satellites, um, Carlos Fernandez dropped Michael Walker, added Connor Joe, added, dropped Edward Olivares, added Seth Brown, dropped Nick Senzel. And in my last one here, my other satellite, um, I added Huascar Anoa for $4, runner-up bid 3 bucks, And then I grabbed Tariq Skubal for 2 bucks, runner-up $1. Figured I'll, I'll give that a shot as he's looked better his last couple starts. Nice little low-bid pickups there. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm on, on bargain shopping these days. Uh, didn't get anything in um in, in barf. I got a couple things in tout wars, but uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 dangerous these days. And the thing is, those the OC and the two satellites. I'm either first or second in those. I'm trying to like barely hang on, Ooh. but it's not. It's I'm. You're, I'm are you in first or second in the OC? Uh, I'm first in the OC. Nice. I've been up like eight points all season, but it's like went down to like five yesterday. Oh man, it's the worst. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, this is like I started sweating the second I saw it. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like it's gonna be a fun ride. I can't wait to lose it at the end. It'll be oh, like, it's the worst when things are slipping. It's yep. like when you just feel them slipping and you feel like your team is is slowing down and you want to get them going, and you're like, I know it's gonna happen at some point, but it's just my it's my God. pitching that like my, my offense is on fire. I have like 65 points offensively. Like I, the offense is fine. It's my pitching, so I'm just like grinding whatever I can get to, to get me some wins in that in that league. But uh, it's it has not been easy to say the least. Rough. Rough. All right, let's hit up some listener questions and we'll head on out of here. Our good buddy Ryan Roof from Rotowire does the uh, bullpen blogs over there at rotowire.com. He says, do you do a season and review exercise for any teams that perform poorly? It's easy to say three of my top five picks got hurt, but everyone deals with injuries. Are there specific things you look at to determine what attributes to your team's lack of success? Uh, I would say yes and no. I would say generally my review process probably could be better. 
but I like to focus on kind of the macro things because I think the challenge is, is like we oftentimes get caught up in a single league or, you know, identifying a trend and, you know, depending on how the number of leagues you have, right? Like you have a very small sample of leagues to, to work with. Right. And for whatever reason, like, I think it's important to understand like what went wrong. Like, so the things that I'm thinking about, like for this year, for instance, would be not like, you know, um, not like something like, oh, I went with Shane Bieber in the first round. That was a big mistake or something like that. Right. But it's more like, you know, for the first time in my playing fantasy baseball, I found myself having a very difficult time getting saves and the closing landscape changed dramatically. And then I want to like look back at my teams. And I think the most helpful thing to do is to look at your draft boards at the end of the season and just be like, what on earth? Why like, like what happened or something? Yeah. I was doing that with somebody, um, one of the people that I share a team with. And, and it's just like, there was so many, we did got so much wrong and yet we're still in fifth. Mm-hmm. You know, we got so much wrong. We're still in fifth with a chance to, to cash and, and to do well. And so um, for me, it's more like, okay, it's not like, oh, we made a mistake on this third round pick or on this first round pick. But for me, it's more like the landscape has changed in saves and recognizing that we all, we're going to make a ton of mistakes throughout a draft, particularly like whether this year is, is a different because of COVID and everything else is, is a different story. Like that's a major question, but like, it's okay to make a mistake early on. And I also think like, I feel more confident, like you want to know something I can pick a closer early on and I can still be successful. Like I can still work that. And because what I don't want to end up is feeling the same way that I felt this year where I, I, I hated fab because I was always chasing closer speculations. I, I'm still changing closer speculations. Right. And then I'm missing out on other guys. All of my attention is being sucked up on that and it's making me a worse fantasy player. And I want to make sure that that doesn't happen. That doesn't mean that the closer that I draft is going to be the guy and he's going to be successful and be really good. But I want to know moving in that I've got two guys that are going to be, that are solidly in that role and can fail because then if only one of them fails, I still got a closer, right? Because I don't need as many saves. I'm not going to need as many saves as I, as I have previously. Grabbing more pitching early, honestly, like um, that is every year. What I find myself doing is just wanting more, better pitching. And you look at how successful some of the guys, and obviously there's a much, more that goes into that. But like Phil Dusso for very good reason gets a lot of credit and he's always very heavy early on pitchers. But one guy who who I've heard on a couple podcasts getting kudos who I wanted to give a shout out to is Dalton Del Don. Mm-hmm. He went heavy, heavy, pitching. Heavy, heavy, heavy pitching. I was in a couple leagues with him and I was like, damn, like you're going heavy, like first five picks pitching. And he is doing extremely well in all of his leagues. Now, part of that is who he picked who he drafted. Right. But it's also just like, you can make up that you can make up some of the hitting, right. You can make up some of the hitting because a lot of it at a certain point, there's there's not that much difference in the skill and it's more about the opportunity and it's more about the lineups position. And it's more about grinding out as many at at bats or plate appearances as you can. So like, I think it's much more for me, like a macro level review and less a team by team. Cause what you don't want to get sucked in is like, looking back at this last year and making all of your decisions based on that when it's just a single year when teams, you know, do things differently. Right. Like, and the, the fact of the matter is like, I've complained a lot about how poorly I'm doing, but like I'm in fourth, fifth or sixth in every single one of my big, big yeah, that's leagues. Not too bad. I, 
And part of that is like going pitching early on and having those pitchers and things like that. So that's definitely still going to be part of what, what I want to do, but it's like, you know, I've, I also have Shane Bieber on two really big teams. I also have Luis Castillo on two really big teams, you know? And so there's all these things that like, don't, I don't want to pay too much attention. I want to focus on macro roster construction related things as opposed to specific player type things. Anyways, that was yeah. a really long answer to it. I'm sorry. No, like, I agree with what you're saying because there's some of it where I know Ryan was saying he could say, oh, yeah, my guys got hurt. I'm like, well, this year injuries have been disastrous to some teams. Like um, I know I've had some teams that literally I've never – I've been battling to just pray to have a healthy roster, let alone a competitive roster. Uh, you, you'd listen to uh, Scott Jenstead mentioned in TGFBI. I think nine of his top ten picks have all been on – like he's lost for large chunks of the season. You can't recover from that. That's impossible. Like it doesn't matter. But at the same time, you you, you got to grind it, like like Ryan was saying. So basically what I want to look at once the season's over, I, can, I already know what I want to see. The teams I'm doing well in, I think I could be doing really good in if it's my pitching. It's like, what do I need to do for the wins and strikeouts? A lot of it's because I have my Giolitos or my, my Castillos or my Aces, and then when I backed them up with have been okay with Luis Castillo and Gio, we know how that's gone. So they weren't the Aces I needed. If I got an Ace-Ace, things would be different. Secondly – the teams that I'm struggling in, the pitching has been okay. Similar problems, but maybe some have been better, actually. My bats, um, I, I have all the steals in the world. Averages is okay. But runs, homers, and RBI have been dreadful. Absolutely. Like, homers and RBIs for sure. Like, my power production has been gone. And I look at some of the guys I drafted, and it's been really weird going, like, Christian Walker, you expected 20 to 25 homers. He's got you nothing. Like he's nothing like that kind of stuff. Like three or four of those guys in your roster, you're talking hundred home runs that like, that's a humongous switch. So was it a, did I do something wrong? So that's where it's like, you look at the board, like you said and go, okay, when I'm going through this, was there a, like a more quote unquote safer pick that might've got me 15 to 20 that did what it was supposed to do where I didn't need to take the chance on maybe Walker taking the next step, stuff like that along the way, as you're saying. So that'll be the trick. And saves, I got lucky this year because I got one big one, and I was kind of trying to get a second big one or a second middle one before punting, where not everybody did that. I got lucky, though, they stayed healthy. Like, some of the big guys still didn't get hurt. Like, that's that's the bottom line. I think to win a, a long baseball season, you have to have a good draft, obviously. You have to be great in fab, but you also have to have the the, the health gods on your side. Like, that's pretty simple. Um, you can still win, obviously, without it, but you got to have the health gods on your side. So um, it'll be fun to look at. Like I said, I already know what I want to look at on each team. I just, I'm waiting until the season's over to obviously look at that, but I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where I could have been different. I know Jeff Erickson talks about it. I forget who the player was, but in one of the leagues, he's like second or third in I think the main event or whatever. He could have had Vlad in round five, but he took someone else that's been just like horrible. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, yeah, that's, that's what he talks about it like every show, and I'm like, we've all been there. We all got something like that on all of our rosters, and I'm just afraid to see which one it is right now because I have no Vlad anywhere. So yeah. I'm terrified to know who I took in that round right now. And, Luis um, Castillo instead of Rafael Devers for me. Yeah, but like just even like the, the like Darvish hasn't been great of late, but even if I take Darvish over Castillo, like that's that's huge. And that's just one of those where on paper everything probably pointed to Darvish, but in my head I'm thinking, okay, upside, I think Castillo can take the jump. I should have known. Like we're gonna get the Castillo year at the end, but it's not the year that you want in that draft pick, is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, it'll be fun to kind of look back at for sure, Ryan. Uh, Dusty Wagner, another great uh, fantasy player, another great NFC player. He says, uh, "Who are some September call-ups you expect to play down the stretch?" And don't you dare say Edward Olivares. 
Well, it's actually going to be really interesting because rosters only expand to 28 this September. They're not the full 40 man, um, uh, 40 man situation. So it's going to be really interesting. And there was an article, you know, um, about Bobby Witt Jr. and whether he was going to be called up that, that was on KansasCity.com, I think. And obviously he's like one that jumps out as like, this would be the guy that, that you'd really want to, to come up. But they were talking about like, they've only got two more roster spots. Bobby Witt Jr. is not on the 40 man. They've got one opening on the 40 man and they've got to get uh, Prado or Melendez on there because they're rule five eligible next year. You know, two of their prospects were doing really well. They're probably going to want to add another arm, you know, to save uh, taxing the arms of their other pitchers, maybe a catcher for Salvi. So, you know, that's the thing is it's going to be very different than previous September's because I think it's going to be much more about those types of roster decisions than it is going to be about, you know, there's so many teams that are so far out of it. Who's going to be there. So um, I don't know. I mean, Bobby Wood Jr. is the one that jumps out of me. I'm holding on to him in one league. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do that for, but um, you know, he's, you know, he could be just a difference maker. He's mashing everywhere he goes. He's stealing bases. He's doing everything. And the Royals have been pretty good. Olivera's, you know, notwithstanding in terms of like get it, letting guys come up when they're ready. Um, and maybe not playing as many games. At least that's that's my narrative that I have in my own head. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Uh, Shane Boz, you know, is one that stands out, like on Tampa Bay. You know, he's one of the best pitchers in the minors right now. It seems like it's just a matter of them getting him ready to kind of show up and and be on the scene. And I imagine just with their their pitching issues, like not in terms of like not being good because they've got enough pieces to mix and match, but having another guy that could throw three, four elite innings think will be really important um, there. So I guess those are two guys that are kind of jumping out at me. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be a huge year for that though, because it's a very different situation than it has been in previous years. And we're not going to see that huge call up of everybody because they're going to be working on 40 man roster issues and, and, and getting arms to fill in for their starters who they're, who they're going to sit in September and, and all that stuff. So maybe it's going to be pitchers that'll be most interesting. Yeah. Um, so I think you'll get pitchers. Uh, those are a couple of guys. I think Vidal Brujan might get another shot with the Rays. He's actually crushing it again in AAA. So I wouldn't be shocked if he gets another call up, even though they're playing good right now offensively. So I don't think they really have any holes there, but he might get a chance to at least sit on the bench and uh, maybe get some run. But you said 28 man rosters. A lot of the teams that would have called guys up, the Nats, the Cubs, the Pirates, they've already done this because they threw in the towels. So how many more spots do they have? I think a lot of it will be pitching because so many of these teams in contention could use another bullpen arm or two or another, like, you know, opener situation. So you're going to see a lot more pitching. So I like the Shane Baz call quite a bit, actually. Uh, obviously not available in NFBC leagues till he pitches, but he's a guy that's got the upside to, uh, like you mentioned, Colin McHugh for the Rays. He could put up some numbers like that for the rest of the year and be, and be quite productive. So players like that, I think, is the guys you're looking for. But I don't see a ton really standing out unless some team wants to make a big splash. But, like, you look at the Giants – they're already so deep in platoon issues like things. They're not calling up Ramos or someone. And if they do, he's not going to play every day to be have an impact. So I get an impactful call up. I don't see too many of them happening this, this time around. And one thing I'll mention too, is that the minor league season, because it got the late start, yeah, it actually goes up. all yep. the way through October. Yep. So it's all not even forward. about getting guys games. Like they'll probably get more games staying in triple a or staying in drop double a. So the incentives just aren't that there this year. Um, for there to be a ton of difference makers, I don't think, in September. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a very, very good point on that one. A couple more listener questions here. Our buddy MS at SMMS79 says, I have my best team I've ever assembled on paper. 
but I am plummeting in the standings because I bet on the wrong stars. After an off season with weeks of prep, the luck factor is crushing my soul. How do you f- keep your head up when you do everything right and it just doesn't work out for you? I think you just try to do everything you can, you know, yeah. that's what you can do. And I think, you know, one thing that, that happens over the course of the season is, and it's just like happens to player performance. It's, it's waves, right? Your team's super good. Team's not that good. Team's super good. Team's not that, that good. Right. There's like a lot of kind of medium and there's some peaks and there's some valleys and it's all like, you know, and, 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 but the thing is like what regression tells us is that, is that those players, as long as them being super awful is not like their true talent level that over the longer course of the season that, 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 that will show up. And so, you know, like for me, I'm just having a really difficult time right now in one of my leagues with home runs and I had a huge lead and it's getting whittled away and my offense is really down. And I was in a really, really good position in a really, really important league. And I see that, that margin trickling down. And it's like, I got to make the best decisions every week, try everything that I can. And the fact of the matter is, is like statistically, like having guys perform that poorly and not hit home runs over that period of time just won't happen. And so I'll have a big week. I'll have a big two weeks. And then that will even out with the bad week that I've had. And I just hope that it can carry it through. So, you know, to quote frozen two, you know, um, and Anna in frozen two, just do the next right thing. Right. In all of your roster decisions, just do the next right thing. And, then in and that's all run, you can do, it, right? Frozen run, just let it go. And let it go. Do. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we do Monday through Thursday and then Friday through Sunday. We just let it go. That's a good yeah. one. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the game. This is the game. And and you just try to hold with it and get excited when you're when your guys go do well. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. Like you can put yourself in the best possible scenarios. You can make the right fab moves. You can set your lineups. Sometimes it just doesn't work out for you. That's that's the shame of it. But I would take solace, and I know it probably doesn't help the matter of the fact, in that you did the prep. You did the work. You got the team you're looking for. You became a better fantasy player. Take that in the next season. Keep building on that. Like Eventually, it will break for you. If you are putting those type of teams together, you're going to start winning more often than you're going to lose. That's going to happen. If you put yourself in the, the position to win – more often than not, you're going to win. Um, so, or at least contend for the money type thing. So, keep that in mind. I, I wouldn't let it crush you. I get it. It sucks. Like, I, I hinted at the OC that I'm in first at. I'm seeing it slip. I'm going to be like, I, it was TGFBI a couple of years ago. I was in the top three all season. I finished the year in sixth out of the last, the last week, the last like couple of days. It slipped. And I was so angry because I wanted at least a top three. And even, there's no money on the line. There's full pride. And that made me like so angry. But what am I going to do? Like, it's just, that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. And that's a credit to your league mates also. They put good teams together. And that's a good league to be in because it's competitive. So it sucks, but I would try to take the uh, positive approach if you can. So be my two cents. All right. I believe this is our last question, but it's like a, um, a I know we have two more questions, but Dave Petrozello has like a three-parter here. So try to keep up with me. In my main event satellite, he's dying to play the main. I am in second, but I'm 21 and a half points out. Runs, home runs, RBI are my worst. Rendon didn't work out. At this point, if applicable, high upside guys with risk is probably the way to go right now. This week, I got Brinson, McCormick, Joe Barlow, as I also need saves, and now have Barlow paired with Iglesias and half a closer in Bender. I'd probably give myself less than 10% chance, but I'll obviously grind it out 
I like to think that your pod and the Rotowire pod and Scott and Jeff has helped me be even that close. So thanks. Also, my, my two SPs in the first four round strategy worked well with Bueller in the second round and Burns in the fourth. Trey Turner in the first two. I dread going back to the draft board to see who I could have taken instead of Rendon. I guess he's wondering if the risky approach is the way to go. That's what I got out of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're handling it right, Dave. I mean, that's yes. what you got to do, right? So 100%. you're telling me there's a chance. Yep. There's a go chance. Go for the Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Go Different for, sport, go for those guys. Sport, Hail Mary. <laughs> and, and and you don't even have to get caught up in upside. Just choose, choose the best hitter like every single week. Try to do that. Like McCormick is a great yeah. example, right? Uh, Br- Brinson, he's playing seven games. Like try to maximize those plate appearances. Try yeah, to maximize those ceiling guys. Hand, stuff like that. Yeah. But it goes back to when we talked about Brinson at the beginning. Ride the hot streak, dump him right away. Do the next guy. Do that for the next five to six weeks. Just see what you can do. You're not going to hit on all of them, but if you churn and burn like three guys on your roster, maybe you hit on two a week. You pick up some ground. You never know. But not doing it, you're never going to have a chance. So, and 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 in and in a qualifier, it's your first or your last, basically. So you you don't care about second place. If you screw it up and you finish in fifth. Like you might have got your money back if you finish second, but in reality, you're going for the gusto. So if you finish in fifth, so be it. You, you got to go for it. You can't just sit there and watch the guy run away with it. So that's my two cents. Yeah. Right. And one thing to remember is take a look at where that guy can fall. Yes. And, and pick, pick and, on those standings. Yeah. And, and because there's a lot that's going to happen the last six weeks of the season, there's a yeah, lot. Like a lot of guys are going to stop pitching. Yeah. yeah. Like, the lineups are going to get crazier. Like yeah. there's going to be, there's going to be so many opportunities to both go up and to go down. Yeah. And so you'd be surprised. I think how much movement there's going to be. It's going to be a wild, the end of the season. wild few weeks, especially with so many teams still in play. It's going to be interesting. Uh, John Wilder has our last question of the evening. What was the one player you said would have a big year in comparison to ADP projections and got right this year? Um, let me let me check out my my player shares here. If you draft season feels so long ago, yeah, um, compared who was going late in drafts or you thought would basically a player you thought would outperform ADP that has outperformed ADP. Yuli Gurriel, I have Yuli in in twelve in twelve leagues. Um, I got him a ton. Um, I think he's done really well, and I, I'm enjoying him. I mean. You know, Sal Perez didn't go late, late. I was, was going to say, is that a cheating I, one? Because that's one that stands out. I mean, Jesus, the dude, the, the dude just crushes. Brent Suter, I actually have in 10 leagues, um, which has been super helpful. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I J.P. Guess Crawford's been good, too. J.P. Crawford's been good. I'm, I'm trying to go through my rankings kind of quickly to – to see who stood out as, as a potential guy that jumped a lot. Robbie Reese-Hoskins got hurt. He'd been, he was good. I don't know if he outproduced his, his value, but he was good. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one because some of these guys, Iwan Makata has hit for no power. That's been mad. I had Kyle Tucker as my seventh outfielder. I don't know if that was around ADP or not. It might have been, but I was, I was pretty pretty high on him in respect. But, um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting question for sure. The last few weeks might help determine it even more, but um, I was high on Jorge Soler. It's finally starting to look good. It didn't look good for a long time, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think that Yuli one's uh, Yuli Guriel one's a good call on your side. Um, I had Trey Mancini pretty high, so I guess I'll go that route. But uh, it, it was tough. Who was the guy that you were really high on that has not produced? 
Oh, man. That's the other part of this question. That's not for me. I'm really high on that has not produced. I'll, I'll take injury out of the equation. I'm looking. I mean, I'd love to say Giolito just because I had him so high up, but like he hasn't been god awful. You know, he's got like a what three eight ERA and a one one three WHIP or something with 130, 140 strikeouts. Um, he's been pretty good. A guy I have a lot of that, that has not been good. Um, man. I'll say one. I don't have a yeah, lot of him. Go, go. I don't have a lot of him, but I had him ranked as my fourth shortstop off the board. And yes, now injury has come into play, but even before injury, he sucked. That's Francisco Lindor. Like he's been, mm. he has crushed teams that have taken him. So that'd be one guy that kind of stood out as a, an oops situation. But one guy, okay, a guy I was big on, I'll just say Glaber Torres. Like I was yeah. always Glaber Torres or Javi Baez for me at like that ninth or 10th shortstop area. And obviously Glaber has not panned out at all. So that that's yeah. one I will take for sure. Labor Torres will be one I'll take. That's that's the one that I was leaning to as well, because um, a lot of it has been injury related, or that I drafted them so far back in drafts, you know that it that it hasn't really made um, yeah. too much of a difference, or injuries, and you know you just can't you can't, you can't do that. that. You yeah. can't do that. It's been a while since we talked about Vlad Junior. Um, on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Bubba, and I just want to say it's been like a little while since Vlad Jr. hit a home run. And I'm wondering, I, I'm I'm just wondering if Marcus Semyon will end up finishing the season on the player rater higher than Vlad Jr. will. And I wonder if like I get a reprieve for having so much Marcus Semyon on my teams, like in re- recognizing that ha- hitting on like a Marcus Semyon where he was going in drafts is is more valuable than hitting on Vlad Jr., where he was going in drafts. I think it should count. I'll give it to you. I think I'm just impressive. kidding. I, I'm doing that just to spur another Vlad Jr. home run. Um, I'm not sure if it was the player, the, the Raswell player rater or the Fangraphs dollar calculator, but offensive play or just players in general, top 10 producers. It had to be the player rater right now because DeGrom wasn't on it because of uh, his recent stint. But there were three Blue Jays in the top five. And I believe. I want to say there was like there was the two Braves in the back five, like so half of it was Braves and, and Jays. That's pretty crazy. Would you break it down? So that's something I think we, it was going to be a fun conversation in the off season. And I know I've heard some other people talk about it. The new approach might be with some of these offensive juggernauts. Do you just stack your team? Because I've yeah. never thought about. It. I do it in DFS all the time. Never thought about it in season long. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's interesting because I think it was what Hinkleman or, or one of the the, the OGs basically took like the, all these Reds players and like all one other team. That was like his focus. He was jumping ADPs to make sure he got them all. And he's winning mm-hmm. like everything. So yeah, it, it might've been the perfect storm. It might've been the perfect storm, but it's interesting to, 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 to dive into maybe going forward. So let's see, we're going to take a look. 15 team league, most valuable players. So Vlad Jr. is number three, mm-hmm. but Marcus Semyon is number six. Okay, so I don't know what they were using. And Bachette right is number four to your yeah. stacking. Yeah, to your to your stacking. Get all three there. of them. Just think about it. And look where Simeon was going. You didn't even have to pay a high price for him. 
You had yeah. to pay for Bichette. You kind of had to pay for Vlad. Next year, you're going to have to pay. You might not be able to get both. They might go both in the first round, or um, that's going to be tricky. Vlad's going to go in the first round next year. Yeah, and Bichette might go late first, early second in a 15-teamer. So you're probably oh, not going to get them on the same it's team. Gonna, it's going to be nuts. But we will have plenty of time to talk about yeah. all that. And, and just so people know, I'm not really talking about Vlad. I know that's a huge L. I know it's a huge L already, but I think people know Just that. trying to like <laughs> just kind of get in there the fact that like the the point is like hitting those value guys, which clearly hasn't done enough for me in a lot of my leagues. But oh hey, well. it's it's a fun year. We got a few more weeks to go. Keep grinding, everybody. As we started the show out, Toby was saying it's like the slip and slide type thing. Like, hang on, keep it coming. We got a we got a handful, five or six more weeks of fab to go. Like five more, I think. So it's twenty six total weeks. So five more weeks of fab to keep cranking out there for you. We're almost into September before you know it. So hang on. Good luck, everybody. Check out Toby on Twitter at Bath Crazy. I'm at BD Antrick. This is another episode of Bub on the Bat Flip, episode 93. Catch you guys next time.